Ava Hartling. Welcome back to the Brand is Female podcast. This week, I'm speaking with Lara Murphy, the co-founder and director of business development at Ryan Murphy Construction in Calgary, which proudly stands as the only female-owned commercial construction firm in the city. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandiesfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help you. Are you ready to be inspired and connected? I'm really excited to share that we have officially launched the Brand is Female conversation series. Come and join us for a monthly conference that's changing the game in Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto. Engage with fellow women thought leaders, innovators, and visionaries. Get ready for insightful discussions and powerful networking opportunities presented by TD Women in Enterprise. Don't miss out on this opportunity to elevate your career and your network. Visit our website, go to the events section, and secure your spot today. I can't wait to meet you in person. Lara's cooperative approach has played a pivotal role in her company's rapid growth and national recognition. With a track record of managing multi-million dollar projects in corporate, commercial, healthcare, and residential construction, her leadership is all about transparency and effective communication. Publications like Canadian Business and The Globe and Mail have highlighted her company's achievements, marking it as one of the country's fastest growing companies. Beyond her remarkable career, Lara is a passionate public speaker and advocate for all women in business. She dedicates her time to volunteering for nonprofit organizations, serving as a Calgary YWCA's board chair and a board member of the Calgary Chamber of Commerce, among others. In this episode, Lara shares her journey through the construction industry, her commitment to community engagement, and valuable insights into leadership and entrepreneurship. Here is our conversation. Lara, it's such a pleasure having you on The Brennies Female today. Thank you for making time to speak with me. Uh, thank you so much, Ava. I'm very happy to be here. I like to start these conversations by asking my guests to go back in time a little bit. And I want to know, in your case, growing up as a, as a young girl, what kind of career were you dreaming of? What did you think you'd be doing uh, you know, as a profession later in life? And was it at all connected to what you're actually doing today? Oh, it's a great question, Ava. And um, the short answer is no. I didn't expect that I would be owning a construction company and working in the field that I do. But I will say that just through navigating life and, and being curious, and I think you'll hear that a lot with different business owners and entrepreneurs, that's one trait that seems to carry through. And I was no different in that uh, mm-hmm. I grew up on the East Coast and was the the kid on the block with the paintbrush and the shovel and the saw. And uh, at a very young age, was curious around how things were built, construction. And my mom was very, very smart in redirecting a lot of my energy to be a little bit of a, a handy person and encouraged me on that front. So not that I ever thought construction would be a career or even that I would necessarily have my own Mm. business, but it definitely gave me that, that window or road to explore things in a way that, um, a young, a young woman is, is destined and, and uh, interested in doing so. But I actually thought I'd 
be a marine biologist or perhaps a lawyer was really okay. going through school that was more the, the the law environmental law combining those two mm-hmm. things i i felt i would uh, be a good fit but that was also at a time where we were maybe privy to limited options for careers and there were was a mm-hmm. very set grouping of of instances of where okay well you know is it a teacher a lawyer a doctor etc mm-hmm. so so definitely had to explore on my own I, yeah, I find that fascinating. And I don't think any guidance counselor probably to this day would include, you know, owning construction company as an option for a young woman who's wondering what her career path's going to be, which which is too bad because we, we obviously need more women in the field. Um, So tell me about kind of those first few chapters. It sounds like law or, you know, uh, uh, environmental law was kind of the first path forward for you. So tell me a little bit about going down that path and where that led you next. Yeah, sure. Um, I, in general, I I I think I have to combine and bring in my soccer and athletic career as that I would say was was one of the pivotal moments for me, and not only having the opportunity as a young woman to travel and explore. Growing up in a small town in New Brunswick, I really found that I I, I just I wanted to travel and be a part of things and sport was the conduit that allowed me to do all of those things. And I'm feel so fortunate that that was something that provided me a way that I could get out of that smaller city and town. I mean, I loved it, but I really worked hard and trained hard and through my athletic experience um, as, as most uh, individuals, as they're growing up playing several different sports, there became a time where I chose soccer as my sport. And that was largely due, in fact, to the, I was recruited to go play with a university team uh, when I was uh, just shy of 17 uh, to go to England. And that absolutely would be a moment that changed the course of my life forever. So not only getting to travel to Europe, play soccer, see, see the world and fall in love with that older architecture that a country like England has versus Canada Mm. that is relatively new. And that really spurred on that um, curiosity again as to all of the things that were out there and and, uh, waiting to be discovered. So that in turn with finding a group of individuals that I played with that were very supportive and a team environment that started the beginning of my leadership on that front as well. So really getting to, to travel, be with people, primarily uh, individuals that were much older than I was. And so there were mm-hmm. a good friend of mine and myself were recruited and that began a, a different trajectory in which I ended up um, getting a scholarship and being able to go to a small liberal arts college on the East coast, uh, Mount Allison university. And they had a very strong soccer team at the time. And and I dug in and played my heart out um, while I was there and and subsequently was able to travel to many other places, including Bermuda, all over the U.S., to Europe a few different times. And um, really, it, it now when I look back, I see how that built that resilience and the ability to be on a pitch. And more often than not, we were playing teams that were much more evolved uh, in Europe. Uh, we were losing. And... It, it taught me how to keep going and and pick the pieces up. And as you know, in business, 
Uh, there are many times where you feel, oh my gosh, you know, you lose more than you win. And to be able to continue on that path, it definitely taught me many lessons that I'm able to carry forward today. Mm, yeah, I can see how that comes in handy as a as a lesson and, and an experience. Um, who were role models around you? I know, I believe your dad had several companies. Um, I... I, I believe you also started your your first company while you were in high school. So I want to hear about that experience. But I'm assuming you know your your time spent uh, in in sports and soccer also brought a lot of influential role models into your life. So who were those you know sources of inspiration or mentors around you? Yeah, it's a great question. And and um, growing up in a time where we couldn't Google or go to YouTube. And social media was not in existence. So most of the information that I would gather was either from TV, radio, or magazines and newspapers. So mm-hmm. I, I love that part of uh, lots of curiosity around um, just reading and following different sports. And the Olympics, I think, were a, a large one. We didn't mm-hmm. have a Canadian soccer team at the time when right. I was starting out. So really, it was different athletes like Silk and Lom and, and other individuals that were striving forward for Canada. And, and I had a few, several teachers that were very encouraging. My parents, as you touched on, absolutely were. And it was a time that we were you know, kind of sent off. I mean, I had my driver's license on my 16th birthday. Mm-hmm. And um, from that point on, I had this uh, Ford Zephyr that I drove around in. And it gave me that independence that I, I really longed for and the ability to explore things on my own, mm-hmm. which just really helped a lot. And I often think back of being putting two lawnmowers in the back of my vehicle and ladders on the roof and just navigating around the city and doing different odd jobs. Mm. And it really became, I, I enjoyed the exchange with whether it was a neighbor or a family friend, if I were completing some type of project, I just really started to appreciate what that was like at, at, from a client perspective. Not that I really thought of it at that in depth at 16, but definitely it, it is something that to this day, I, I do love that interaction and delivering a product to someone that in a way that you're just, you're making them feel like they're the most important person. And, and this is what we're, we're set out to do is a really great job. So that I think spurred me even further into exploring and, and mm. yeah, I, I had some flyers on bright pink paper that I <laughs> went door to door and, and uh, handy student maintenance was the name. And yes, I was 16 and just started to explore that world. I loved making a little extra money so I could go out and buy my Esprit shirt or whatever it oh, was yeah. at the time and <laughs> put some gas in the vehicle. So definitely, um, it, I think it, it, it woke something up mm. inside of me that, that was beyond a curiosity. And mm-hmm. when I recognized and gave myself permission that that was something that I could do. Um, my dad was a very busy individual. He had different businesses as you touched on. And, and so that wasn't an abnormal, uh, way for me to think because, mm-hmm. He he was doing it already and it was on the move all of the time in and out of the house, going out in the evenings to do different networking, mm-hmm, becoming mm-hmm. involved in community, etc. So definitely uh, began that journey. And through university, as I was playing soccer competitively, I maintained a small business each summer mm-hmm. that I would help pay for school. And it really became that where I was running crews and 
and earning money. But again, even doing that, I, I never once, it didn't cross my mind that I would do this for a living. And it really wasn't until a, a soccer coach of mine uh, one day, and I can remember it vividly, we were walking down to the field and he said, Lara, I know you're thinking about law, but have you ever thought about a career in construction? And to your point mm-hmm. earlier, I mean, you know, in fairness, guidance counselors and teachers and mm-hmm. professors are all university educated. So at the time, I think there was a, a bias that if you decided mm-hmm. to go to trade school, it was because you maybe couldn't get into university. Yeah. And for me, I just had a preconceived notion. And again, I, I didn't even think about it. it. Didn't dawn on me. And now looking back when I have opportunity to to speak on podcasts or to the public or young men and women that are looking to start careers, I really encourage people to think outside of that norm and the box because one conversation, one teacher, one mentor, or someone that you meet in your life can change the complete direction of where it is you may want to go. And, and that mm. moment for me was no different. It, it really opened my eyes and allowed me again to give myself permission that I didn't just have to put my head down and keep going and staying in school, etc. So I took some time off and I, again, I was fortunate to travel and play soccer and, and then backpack through Europe and mm-hmm. you know, sitting on a train going through the Swiss Alps thinking, wow, I, I've, I've never been alone. This is the first time mm. in my life I've not been surrounded by people. So really being alone with your own thoughts and goals and aspirations, we don't have those pressures that we mm. tend to put on ourselves that really paved a path for me. And, and then I, when I hung up my cleats from a competitive standpoint and moved back to New Brunswick, I was able to buy an older home. And mm. in New Brunswick, older, and you can appreciate it in Montreal, but this place was built in 1830. And mm-hmm. so it needed a lot of love and care. And therein began a love of historical restoration mm-hmm. work that I continued on. And it followed me as my house was a bit of a revol- revolving door because I was mm-hmm. the youngest and first in my group of social network to have a place. So people started asking me, would you come and help me do this? Can you help me build this? Mm-hmm. And it just, mm-hmm. it, it sort of expanded from there into having apartments and being a landlord and then continuing on that journey until I came to Calgary for a wedding and met someone and a few months later decided to close up shop in New Brunswick and move to Calgary to start over and not being from the city, you know, having literally one person I knew uh, was daunting and, and scary. But at the same time, I just really then embraced joining different groups, associations, picking up the phone, calling, and ended up getting a job as a project manager with a a firm here that was building multifamily residential Mm -hmm. townhomes and and large complexes. And so I stayed there for almost two years, working my way from very entry-level position to a PM, project manager. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that time, um, as I navigated the company and became more comfortable with the city it was also a time in Calgary where things were booming and it was, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. You, you just, you, you, there was a feeling and it is an entrepreneurial city in general that you, you mm-hmm. can do anything. And there are supports in place to su- support business owners in a way that I had never experienced before. And it really gave me that extra push I needed to say, okay, you know, I, I can do this. I, I can start my business, another business. And that's mm-hmm. what I did. So I, I sm- started a small company doing some some residential work. Uh, I live in an older neighborhood in Calgary. So I, same thing, did a lot of uh, historical restorations and renovations. Mm-hmm. 
and then started into the commercial path doing some smaller projects. And that was where I met uh, my business partner, Karen Ryan, at the time on a job that we were doing in Banff. And we started a conversation and Ryan Murphy Construction was born within Mm -hmm. a few months. Uh, I mean, I love that entire story. So you never ended up going to trade school for construction. Ultimately, you learned by taking projects and you were self-taught. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think that having that that big beast of a house um, that that was built so long ago and that needed so much love and care, it really... It really that started that. <laughs> Absolutely. It was, I, I, I will say, I, I, you know, I cut my fingers a few times. I definitely shocked myself a few times experimenting <laughs> and doing electrical or different lights and, and learning hands-on essentially. Mm-hmm. And then really having a, I think just a innate curiosity around mm-hmm. architecture and construction and, and being a, a learner. And then mm-hmm. also being someone that tends to collect people. I love, mm-hmm. um, being in the community, working with people, it just mm-hmm. became this natural um, path for me to follow. And that's really where it all began. Mm, love that. Um, it sounds like, you know, you made choices throughout your, well, even even your education, not just your career, but that kind of go against the traditional uh, path of, you know, what's, what's offered to women when we're choosing what to study in school or what kind of career to pursue. Did you ever feel like you were breaking some kind of rule that, you know, were, were people kind of questioning the, the decisions you were making and how do we get more women to consider, you know, studying mm-hmm. fields that, you know, are typically male dominated or, or seen as not an obvious option for women um, and ultimately working because it's, it's the same with STEM. It's the same with science. It's the same with construction. 100%. There's just less women choosing these, these industries. So how, how can we change that? But I'm curious to know if you face criticism because of the choices you made. Yeah, I I would say overall, perhaps I was somewhat naive or had um, a network of individuals around me that never, ever really questioned what I was doing. And I I believe having an athleticism and not, um, you know, it was no, it was no feat for me to be lugging ladders and pushing lawnmowers and and doing what you would call the grunt work, so to speak. Um, So I never really thought of it as being anything strange. It's just what Mm -hmm. I did. And Mm -hmm. absolutely, there have been many times where, you know, whether, you know, gassing up, and this was years ago, I remember going to a job site and I had, you know, a vehicle full of equipment and ladders and and an older gentleman saying, what are you doing there? I guess I've seen it all now. It's pretty rugged work. And, uh, those, (laughs) those comments or, and in life in general, um, I believe I'm just that person that if someone challenges or puts something forward that does seem to go against the grain, it only encourages me, uh, Mm -hmm. even further to maybe prove a point or think, well, what, what is the problem? This, this is Mm -hmm. easy. I'm, I'm just doing what, what I'm doing, but absolutely it's, it's something that, you know, again, when I when I go and do speak to younger individuals or individuals in general that are looking f- perhaps for a career change, it really is to ask questions. Surround yourself with people that are in different industries. Ask mm-hmm. questions. I mean, we you know we've all read the Blue Ocean Strategy and and looking around disruption, and usually that comes from outside of the industry you're working in. And if you're open and and look and you're curious and educate yourself 
in a way that you can have conversations that people are willing to share and, and really think about what it is. You, you, it's, it's usually not when you're in front of a computer doing emails. It's when you're out maybe going for a run or skiing, or you're looking at reading a book or listening to music, whatever the case is to really take note of the times that something is stirred inside of you that creates mm. an excitement or curiosity. Mm. And you know, the younger we can talk to other individuals as they're coming up through the school system and, and give them the information, they may decide to continue to go forward in the career path that they always thought they would. But if we can get into the schools at a younger age, and I think it really also comes down to parents because we're all yeah. of a generation that um, it's safe to go to university, get that degree, then decide yeah. what you'd like to do. And mm. and I look at a lot of the individuals around me that maybe have tickets or trades or are entrepreneurs or building fintech companies or whatever the mm. case is. There's so many options. I'm always fascinated with meeting individuals and thinking, wow, like, did you ever think you would do this for a career? How yeah, did you even think exactly. forward? And you would, you would see this in all of these mm. wonderful interviews that you've, you've been able to do and, and listen to people's stories. And it really is just getting people to think about what the possibility is, but more so listen to within what is yeah. it, what does make you excited? Where, where, where do you naturally navigate towards? Is it to rescue animals or is it to go and mm -hmm. help people get involved in junior achievement? Or perhaps mm -hmm. you you want to become part of your community in a way that you can meet people and help people. Because really, in my opinion, I mean, unless you have this amazing experiment of some new idea that's ever been done before, most businesses are doing something in a way that they feel is better. You're, mm -hmm. you're producing a better product in a way that creates something that maybe has never been thought about before in that industry that's quite archaic and construction is no different. It's an industry. I mean, we are service-based industry and we have no choice but to be boots on the ground doing the physical work. So mm -hmm. there has been a long stigma and I think a loss of the appreciation of what trades people do. And I always mm -hmm. like to think about, you know, those few trips I made to different European cities or traveling somewhere outside of your norm. Maybe it's a neighbor's house it's like, oh my gosh, I, I've never even thought of, wow, like how did this get built? How did the Notre mm. Dame, how did, these are, these are individuals building these structures without tools, their bare hands. And mm. this is what we all travel to go see these feats. And, mm -hmm. but there's been a lost appreciation for that craftsmanship and, and the art yeah. of what it takes. So really trying to instill that back into people in general. And it's no, you know, the statistics show, I mean, blue collar and tradespeople, I mean, we're, it's a dying breed in the sense yeah. of a lot of the original OGs um, mm -hmm. are, are baby boomers that are leaving the profession. So we do need to inspire new people. Someone needs to build our homes, businesses, and, you know, or even vehicles, whatever the case mm -hmm. is. So I think just really thinking about that and surrounding yourself with those people that will challenge those, those ideas that we just normally have as we grew up and watch programs, TV, listen to school and how we're educated as well. It's, mm. it's very, it's fascinating, but really just trying to pull yourself out as much as you can. And it's easier said than done. I, mm -hmm, I, I'm not mm -hmm. going to lie, but you, you know, just mm. really to, to have people because we all, I believe we have cheerleaders and then we have mentors and they're two very distinct things. And yeah. we all, we need both. We need people mm -hmm. that will encourage us, even if they have no idea what it is we're looking to pursue. Mm -hmm. And I've mm -hmm. had so many individuals that have put me in rooms 
And I, they, they maybe thought I was an architect or a designer. They didn't mm-hmm. really even understand what a contractor did, but it didn't matter because they, they believed in me and, mm-hmm. or then you get to a point where you find people that have done what you're doing or how ha- you want to do. And you put yourself in front of those individuals and listen and ask for advice and see what, what little, you know, grains of knowledge you can take from that to build towards your own future. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so you, and, and, and thank you for, you know, recapping that. And I think your, your insights are, are really interesting. And you, you bring up a, a very important point. If we don't put more value and emphasis on trade school as a viable career option for both men and women, uh, we're going to continue to pay the price. I think we've seen mm-hmm. throughout COVID too, uh, you know, with the, the rise in, in costs for materials, but for labor also. And then the, the, the just the, the, the labor shortage in, in, in that industry specifically, uh, we're, we're certainly seeing the impact it's having uh, on us today. Um, you launched a company, Ryan Murphy Construction. What were the first few years like? And you just talked about the incredible support you did receive in the community. Uh, you know, Calgary. It sounds like was a you know had has been very supportive of the business. Uh, what when was the first moment where it felt like okay, we're actually going to be successful with this. This is going to be a thriving company, and you know, it's gonna it's gonna take off. What was kind of that pivotal pivotal moment? Yeah, that's a you? great question. Good, good question. So we, um, I worked out of my basement for five years. Mm-hmm. And didn't hire an employee for five years. Um, so we really just slowly and s- just pushed forward. And we were very much under the radar. And we just job after job, foot in the door, called, met different designers. And at one point, we did a, our first retail store in a large um, shopping center here in Calgary. And it was at that point where I went into the the office of all of the administrators that did the tenant um, leasing and Mm -hmm. improvements within that organization. And we brought them cupcakes and (laughs) they, it was a simple gesture, but they thought we were so unique and we were an anomaly at the time to women running this firm. And so they went out of their way to put us in touch with some other individuals in the city where literally I, I called and just said, will you give us a chance? And, um, we did get a chance and that, that made all the difference to give us that confidence to continue on because not long after we founded the company, uh, the financial crisis hit in the U S and a lot of the Mm -hmm. franchises that were moving into Canada had put a halt to that. So we quite quickly had uh, all of our contracts just were done. They were, Mm. it was, they were pushing hold. Mm. We'll circle back. We'll see what happens. And so we, we're on the tools ourselves. We were doing the work ourselves. Mm-hmm. I often would joke that I was at the landfill so much that the individuals working at the way station knew my, my dog Ruby by name because she was always with me. So there were some times where I believe me, I look back Ava and thought, Oh my God, why did I not go to law school? Uh, <laughs> is this, is this going to get better? How can we carry on? But it really, it really solidified how important this was for mm-hmm. us to continue on and, 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 and then also gave that extra push to get into more community events and associations mm-hmm. and become involved to learn. And mm-hmm. that, that was a huge piece. Calgary is a very entrepreneurial city mm-hmm. and it's a very supportive city. 
there are many, many resources. And so, but really I, I, I feel it was an advantage that I didn't grow up in Calgary because it did force me really to get out the door and I, I couldn't pick up, you know, my dad's friend or my mom's friend or see about who mm. could put me in a room. It, I had to just do that on my own. And mm. luckily I, I love being around people and I'm comfortable going into rooms where I don't know anyone and making conversation and, and asking questions. And I think mm. really asking questions, asking for help, resources was the big thing that pushed it over the edge. But I would say the the number one pivotal moment was... Um, Chatelaine and Canadian Profit Magazine used to put out the top 100 Canadian yep. female entrepreneurs. And I would read that magazine as a young, a young woman uh, growing up. And so the first year we made that list, um, that I'll never mm-hmm. forget getting that phone call. And that to me was, was incredible. And then they did a short article on us. And it was the woman that was interviewing us that really said, you guys, you need to tell the story. You need to talk mm. about this. This is this is super interesting and really different. Mm. And so then it opened up a whole other level of having to be vulnerable in a sense that mm. we did put our story out there. We talked about what we were doing, who we were, and what we were accomplishing in the industry, which we hadn't been doing before as we were very quiet navigating through. But as as we gained that encouragement, it was incredible how the community even embraced us further. So I would say that would be mm. a, a really pivotal moment. And of course, when you, you tip the scale after doing a million dollars in revenue, um, mm-hmm. that, that, that checks a box as well, where you think, okay, mm. okay, I got this, we can continue on. But I would say getting that exposure and running up to the, to the drugstore and grabbing as many copies of that magazine copies, as I could. Yeah. yeah. You know, I remember being at the, <laughs> at the, ca- the cash register and opening it up and saying, Hey, do you recognize this person to the cashier? And, <laughs> and she said, Oh, I, I think I do. She's in here quite often, but it was me. <laughs> so it was really funny. So yeah, that was Hello. definitely, um, yeah, it was, but didn't matter. I just bought them all and made sure I mailed some to family and friends. So yeah, that was, that was a pretty big deal at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations on, oh, yeah. on getting that, that recognition. This season of The Brandest Female is made possible with the support of TD Women in Enterprise. And they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. What, you know, what are some things that keep you going today? Um, you know, do you see your role as a leader as, you know, it sounds like you're, you're being connected to community is very important to you. Um, so, how, you know, what kind of, what kind of traits or what, what do you bring to your role as a leader um, that happens to be, you know, motivational for you? And I assume for your team, you know, for your clients, ultimately, I think the, the, the culture we create as entrepreneurs is something that um, is picked up by, by clients and the community mm-hmm. that we, we build networks with. But uh, what, what keeps you going as an entrepreneur and a leader on a, on a daily basis? 
I would say, that, I mean, definitely the people and, and the community. Um, absolutely. I, I, I love learning and listening to people's stories, their journeys, and how no matter what the background or where people have come from, the, mm-hmm. the fact that I'm in, have the privilege of being in the room with people that either I work shoulder to shoulder with or that if maybe I'm serving on a community board um, just by showing up. And for me, it was putting my hand up and saying yes. And I said yes a lot more than perhaps at times I should have, but it enabled me to learn the skill set, get a structure around what governance looks like and really feed that, that lifelong learning that I always am looking to quench and satiate, but showing up a hundred percent being engaged and not letting your eyes be out for rent. I mean, we, we've all been in the park or out and you, you see people and they're just staring at their phones. Um, but mm. really being, being able to lift your head up and listen and, and be present mm. for people. And um, I often am the one doing the least amount of talking in a room. And to me, that's success. I want to create a culture where people are feel comfortable uh, they feel open. They can ask questions and, you know, make mistakes every day. I make mistakes. And I, I like to think about mm-hmm. people being humble, hungry, and smart. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a great, great book by Patrick, Patrick Len Chowney. Um, and he talks about the ideal team player. And those are his three, the three things he comes back to hunger, mm-hmm. humble, and smart. And, you know, you can teach so much and we all learn every day. But to, to have those traits and to create that environment where you're open, you're listening, you're asking questions, but ultimately you ask for help. And mm-hmm. as a leader, sometimes yeah. I, we can fall into a trap where we're, you know, oh, well, it's just easier for me to do it myself or, yeah. or, uh, okay, yeah. I don't, but no, you ask for help. And, and yeah. I think, you know, giving credit where credit's due, it's those things where if someone supported you in the community and you remember that and you go back to them mm-hmm. and really engaging and with the community and just, just being open and asking for help have been huge. And I think for women yeah. in particular, we underestimate ourselves mm-hmm. and that, you know, if, if there is a superpower that I would encourage every female that I meet to push forward, it's, it's to say what, okay, when you're asked what your superpower is, say that you've been underestimated because it's, mm-hmm. You know, I, I was never necessarily the fastest, the smartest. It, I just worked hard. And you see that theme yeah. over and over again, that you just keep working hard. And, and every day, if you show up and you have a habit, you continue to work mm-hmm. on and read books and, and educate yourself. And not everything will stick, but there's yeah, enough exactly. if you do it, it, you'll be okay. And you just have yeah. to keep surrounding yourself with those people that are, are like-minded enough that will encourage mm-hmm. you. And, and ha- it's trust. It really is trust mm-hmm. with the team. Mm, it's such a such a good definition. I love kind of the three qualities you've brought up. You know, as a as a as a good leader, um, hungry, humble. What was the last one? And smart, smart, and s- smart. Um, and I think the trap we fall into is often thinking that you know we have to be. There's this glamorized version or this glamorized definition of what a successful entrepreneur is, and we're waiting to kind of hit, you know, that perfect mm-hmm. representation mm-hmm. of what we think it looks like. And for women, there's that extra layer of pressure because often the examples we have are not women, especially in, you know, industries where women are, are underrepresented, such as, uh, such as construction. Um, mm-hmm. And when we're able to kind of break that 
fake mold and that preconceived idea that we have and just, you know, be hungry, be humble, be smart and work hard, we achieve amazing things. Uh, and you're, Absolutely. you're proving just that, which is, uh, which is great. Um, yeah. what's the next big milestone? What are things that you're working on with your partner? Um, where are you going to next? Yeah, great question. I mean, one one can hope and and uh, put projections out and and look towards what the future is. I, I found that I can never quite predict that. But recently, I've yeah. become the sole owner of the company, so that was a quite a transition where my business partner uh, fell in love with Ontario over COVID and spending some time there uh, during some different projects we were working on. So now mm-hmm. I'm I've stepped out uh, just this past str- spring being uh, the sole owner. So there's a whole new structure around what that represents as uh, I bring our team forward together in a way that's super collaborative and exciting. We've got some really interesting irons in the fire uh, with some some large retailers out of Europe that are looking to mm. perhaps make a move in Calgary and doing a lot on the consulting side, owner representative work where we're able to go in and use our knowledge to help not-for-profits and for-profit businesses. And there's some things I learned as I've been uh, a member of different boards in the city, um, being on the other side of the table and seeing what it looks like to work on a large capital project and and how we as a community can solve problems for whether it's women in need uh, through my work with the YWCA here in Calgary and other organizations. I also have the honor of serving on the, the state Board of Governors. So that's the Southern Alberta Institute of Technology, which is a, is a wonderful school, Polytechnic here, that does a lot of uh, trade training, aerospace, culinary. It just, the list goes on, like amazing school with about 15,000 students. So being able to see and be on the front lines there with what the curriculum looks like, how they're navigating through changes and whether it's international students and changes um, that we see out in the environment and how uh, the needs of of the community do change from a business perspective, but also just within what what what's the interest of what people are looking to do, and 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 that for me is exciting because um, things do pivot, and we're looking at a lot of you know, the ha- housing crisis, for example, and I think there'll be a lot of opportunity in the future for uh, conversions and affordable housing that we can look to build, as you touched on earlier, the mm-hmm. price of materials and supply chain issues that we're looking to solve um, is something that will take a collective effort from all three levels of government that we really right. need to to support and be engaged and look as a community on how we can help those that are perhaps been caught up in a less fortunate situation. I think COVID definitely perpetuated a lot of, of individuals on a, a path of hardship that as a, as a community, we really need to embrace and look for a way that we can solve problems and every day bring those to the table, all the while supporting different initiatives, whether it's a professional women's soccer league in the country, mm. or whether it's it's volunteering to go speak to younger individuals that are considering a career, mm. and not just in construction, but but in business. How can we mm. encourage younger and or individuals that are looking to change from a career maybe they've been part of for a long time to take the leap 
to do something more entrepreneurial and, and know that it, it's not necessarily just about that risk. And I, cause I personally think entrepreneurs are, are quite risk adverse. I think mm-hmm. we just do a better job at managing the extremes of what the, the, the really, okay, what is the, the worst case scenario? What's the best case scenario and how can I fall somewhere in the middle and um, do things in a way that's it, it's somewhat um, controlled, but yet, still putting your toe in the water. And I find if you, you cast that net and you're willing to cast the net, like you'll be amazed what you bring back as far as mm. a catch to use a, that metaphor and, and really surrounding <laughs> yourself with people that, that are willing to be part of that and support you. And I'm always amazed at the individuals mm. and I, and COVID really gave me personally um, time to reflect on what I'm doing, mm. who I'm doing it with and why. We have a short right. time on this earth. <laughs> we're, we're here and we want to make a difference and, and improve things. I would like to leave the world a better place with at least those that I touch. And there's so much noise and so much going in, on around us and, and things that are mind boggling on an international mm-hmm. level. Uh, we see all types of events that are happening that are just horrifying. And uh, as, as Canadians, and certainly I, I just feel so, so fortunate, but it's, it's time to really more than ever listen to one another, um, take the time to, to try to understand and put ourselves in other individuals' shoes and look for a way we can make that impact because it's something really small. And I know talking mm-hmm. to so many hundreds of individuals over the course of my career, it usually comes back to a conversation that an individual has that may encourage mm-hmm. her to move on and do something differently and not, yeah. and you know, you, you, the naysayers will always be there and that's okay. That's what toughens you up. It's, it's all of those little battle wounds that we have that can move us forward. And every scar I have on my hand or leg, it tells a story and, and mm-hmm. it's no different with, you know, your soul and, and mm-hmm. how, how can we carry one another forward in a way that you're not going to love everybody you meet. You won't want to work with everyone you meet, but if you yeah. can come at people with a level of respect and, and mm-hmm. show them that you're interested, even if maybe you have a different point of view, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But we just need to get back to those basics and, and really look to understand what it is that makes people tick and, and just be engaged as humans. And it's, it's mm-hmm. not that hard. Um, it's just, we have so many fears that we carry with us and there's, you know, multi-generational yep. situations and not to get into, you know, the trauma, but you know, the, mm-hmm. we're seeing the impact of COVID now. I mean, I was in Victoria yeah a few yeah. weeks ago for work. And, you know, it is, there's, there, it, there's problems or there people that are scattered on the street that are looking for a way forward. And mental health mm. is something that thankfully we're starting to talk about more openly. And, you know, are you okay? What can I do? How can we create a safe environment in a workplace to start? And that's quite frankly, the least I can do is to create yeah. that and, and hope that people find joy in coming to work. I mean, I don't ever mm. want someone that I work with. I don't want to be the topic of conversation at the dinner table. I, I want them mm. to leave and feel satisfied and know that mm. things might not be p- perfect all of the time, but we're working towards that collective goal and doing something different where you can bring people on a mission and, you know, all the while, and we get to build really cool stuff and work yeah. with incredible yeah. entrepreneurs. And, you know, we're doing mm-hmm. work up at the science center here and it's just mind boggling mm. to, to sit in a room with these people that have science, it's all about science Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. wow. And how can we build that forward and encourage young individuals to look at 
different careers. There's just, I think it's just that curiosity and the willingness yeah. to explore. And, and, yeah. you know, you can, nowadays you can change career, you, you know, don't get exactly. too hung up, like pick, pick yeah. something and just, yeah. it's like, you know, it's, it's better to try. And often I, I have found in my experience, knowing what I don't want to do has been yeah. almost more important at times yes. because saying, saying no is a Say skill. No that you yeah. have to learn. And I, and yes. as women, at least in my, again, this is my opinion, but I find women have a harder time. And I had a harder time being able to say no, or trusting that gut instinct where, you know, when your spidey senses are going, okay, yep. there's a reason. And, and you can't force the universe as much as we try at times, you, you cannot force it. And sometimes you just can't change people, but that's, that's okay. You just have to move on and, and know that, okay, next let's, Let's continue forward and try to create something inspiring so that people want to to do something that does make an impact. Mm. Well, you know, a few things crossed my mind as you were talking. I think you started a conversation by speaking about that kind of curiosity, desire to learn. And, and you know, that seems to be a, a common theme throughout your, your career as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. even in your, uh, you know, in your studies, your time in, in soccer. Um and you've created this role for yourself. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs do that. And that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. We might pick a field, you're working in construction, but you get to be part of projects that go way beyond, you know, the industry that you're, that, that you're mm-hmm. immediately working in. It's the same thing, you know, for me, if I work in marketing and just hosting this podcast and having this community, I get to be part of so many amazing projects that are way beyond just what communications, marketing, or media, you know, can be doing. And when it's your own business, you can create the the job and you can create the profile for the company that you want it to be, um, which I think is one of the best things about, you know, being a, being an entrepreneur and a business owner. Um, Absolutely. And again, that opportunity to change careers, but also change what your business is about. And you brought up something, I wrote it down, you know, learning to say no is very important, especially for women. Um, I think once we figure out what really sets our soul on fire, the kind of work that we want to be doing, because you can be in a business, you can be in a career and doing and, and at the, at the start, loving, loving what you do, loving that trade or loving that profession. But then you end up working with people that you don't drive with or projects that, you know, are mm-hmm. not your calling and you can redirect that anytime you want. And mm-hmm. I love speaking to entrepreneurs on this show. They might be 50, they might be 60, no matter their age. And they figured mm-hmm. out how to kind of, you know, the, the pivot words that we use so much uh, during the pandemic, but they've kind of re-established what they want their business and their life to be about. And that is so important. And it sounds like it's you're doing so true. that. It's true. And I, I watched a lot of RuPaul through, through uh, COVID. Yeah. And so instead of pivot, I say sachet. Um, but yes, it, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is. It's, and you know, honestly, it's, it's setting boundaries, healthy boundaries. And, Mm -hmm. and if, if you can do that and however you put that into your brain and what that looks like, if you can establish those boundaries and be able to Mm -hmm. look forward and, and to your point to sachet or look to different, be open to different ways in which you can do things and, and execute. I mean, literally, I mean, yesterday I was on a job site. We were shorthanded. I went to, it's a holistic clinic and a woman that I, mm. I've worked with, we built a, her first clinic years ago and now she's opening a new one and she does a lot of natural 
assistance when it comes to couples having challenges getting pregnant. And mm-hmm. I was standing there talking to her and it dawned on me that years ago I had a, a, a unrelated uh, friend through a different network that said to me, you know, she, she changed my life because we wouldn't have our daughter if it wasn't for her and go in this clinic. And here I was standing there on a, a holiday Monday in her clinic, talking to her and uh, just thinking, wow, this is a really interesting full circle moment to be able to be part yeah. of something like that, where you're, you know, physically, of course, building the structure, but mm-hmm. what that creates within and the community that she's bringing together and the impact she's having is it makes a difference in people's lives. And mm-hmm. I love working with entrepreneurs and businesses that have that, that forward thinking and, and the reach where you may not know. And it may be years later, you hear a story like that, that, that touches your heart. And it's something that, you know, for me, it, it's what inspires me to continue on is all mm. of those little nuances and, and funny it is idiosyncrasies that we, that we see along the way that are, are not predictable because so mm. much of yeah. what we do as entrepreneurs, it's not, you know, it's not for the weak of heart. It, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, you know, there's days where you are, driving down the road or cycling or running, thinking this is incredible. And then the next day, something that maybe isn't so incredible can happen where you're, yeah. you're stuck in the trenches and, and frustrated. But in the end, it all works out for those, those small moments where you have to take mm-hmm. those wins and, and celebrate them. Mm-hmm. Celebrate the wins. I, I think yeah, that is sure, so important. As we women, we to do that yes, as women. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, cause you get w- over one hurdle. It's like, Oh, okay. That, that wasn't that bad. Okay, next. But like to really take the time. And then we're seeing, it's like we're wired to see everything that we haven't done yet or haven't yes. done right completely. <laughs> exactly. Especially when we compare ourselves to others. And yeah. and one of the things that I've been quite fortunate that there aren't a lot of women doing what I'm doing. So I, I, I don't have to compare myself to many. But that said, there are so many that I do compare myself that are doing incredible things in different industries. And and when you see a group of individuals in a room or whether you're on an online platform or you're reading maybe Harvard Business Review and looking yeah. for different resources that you can find that will really help or inspire you. And, and your podcast is incredible. I mean, what, what you're able to do every day, Eva, and talk to different individuals that come from all different backgrounds. And it, it's so inspiring. And I just love that we have oh, the ability you. now to be able to do this and learn. And mm-hmm. you take little snippets from different individuals that hopefully, um, as you move forward and individuals that come onto this podcast can, can learn and grow from. And I would think that mm-hmm. would be so satisfying from your perspective as well, because listening to so many uh, in preparing for today really did inspire me. So I, I thank you for that. Oh, good. Oh, that, that's, that's great to hear. And I love what you just brought up. It's something I discussed, uh, with Elise Lunen, who was on a podcast. Uh, she talks in her book about it's, it's based on the seven deadly sins and how, uh, you know, that's kind of, it, it permeates everything that we are as women. And, you know, we are ultimately very hard on ourselves because we're holding ourselves to impossible standards all the time anyway. But she talks about envy and how we're kind of wired to see jealousy and envy as an evil sin. And it's, it's a bad thing, but, uh, and this, whether we are religious or not, right. It's kind of systemic mm-hmm. at this point, but, um, she says there's something beautiful in envy because when we are seeing something else that a woman is doing great and the immediate thought might be, oh, I'm not as good as her. I haven't achieved as much. I might not be shining as much or whatever it is. But if we just kind of 
twist that and look at she is doing something great that I also aspire to be doing. So maybe she's an amazing networker. Maybe she's an amazing communicator. Maybe she, uh, you know, achieved this wonderful thing with a specific community she was working with. We, we can see the positive and what it is that we're going after, which is actually a source of inspiration. We just have to rewire our brains and how mm-hmm. we're considering it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think social media makes it really difficult for for a lot of us. But again, there's a way to be supportive of each other and celebrating each other's success as opposed to uh, just seeing what it is we're not doing right or what it is we haven't done enough of yet. That's so true. It's so true. And I'm inspired. Um, I, that I think you hit the nail on the head. I love that analogy because it's so true. I see so many incredible women around me that I, I just all I want to do is lift them up and, and yeah. encourage them to move forward, even though I may think, wow, they're a little bit uh, better spoken or perhaps have uh, a different uh, intelligence in an area where I'm looking to grow and learn. But if we can really approach it from, from the, I don't think it's a bad thing either at all. It certainly inspired me to, to want to up my game and be better and better. And, and we find inspiration in all sorts of places. And often it's the least it's where you least expect it. And I, I often have opportunity to talk to younger women that maybe look to me as a mentor, but I, I'm quite certain I learn more from them. So, yeah. it, you know, you, you <laughs> Isn't have to, it great when yes, that happens. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And just to, to, to sometimes have that, you know, this, that naivety and, and ability to move forward in a way that it, it really, I mean, if you're calculating a certain amount of risk, but willing to try something different, um, even if it's something simple as a new colored suit or perhaps, uh, uh, you know, a more vulnerable post where you're looking to write yeah. something on LinkedIn or on one of your platforms that mm-hmm. is, Ooh, this doesn't feel super comfortable. It, you know, in the end, it, people, if you can set a way in people's minds that they look to you and they, you know, I just, I just never want to take myself too, too seriously and to really think about what it is. Like no one knows it all. We all had to learn, you know, that first time we had to add email to our cell phone that seemed like the craziest thing ever. (laughs) And now it's like, you don't even think twice, you know, you put your new phone next to your old and boom, it's done. So we all, we all, no one's born with having every skill set, but, um, but learning to appreciate and see those that do motivate, around you. And then in turn, my goal is always to hope that I motivate those that I'm able to be part of their lives every day and my colleagues and other clients and individuals in the community that just keep them moving forward and inspiring them to, to, to give, give of themselves what they can, but then also work towards building a team that you can trust and move towards um, making things better. And that that's really what it is. And it's, you know, I talked to a lot of individuals after they retire and the number one um, uh, point they often make is that, that they don't want to lose their impact. And mm. I, and that is, a, it's really important wow. as we mm. move forward. And I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. It is, it's like, well, what is my impact and mm. how can I, I look at this from a different lens? Um, and again, I think COVID taught us a lot in that front. It's like, getting a new prescription pair of glasses, you, you mm. see things in a different way. And sometimes we're caught looking in the rear view mirror where really we should be focused on looking forward. And there's a reason mm. the windshield in a vehicle is as large as it is. And the rear view mirror is very small. And, and that mm. to me is like something that I need to remind myself of often because we mm. absolutely need to learn from our past, but it's, there's so much more to look forward to. And the resources that are available today 
are just mm-hmm. mind boggling. It's almost overwhelming when we look at what we can do. But for me, mm-hmm. the, that community piece and putting my hand up and saying yes to getting involved really has helped a, a lot in my career. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Laredo. So much wonderful insights that you've shared. I mean, we always pull quotes from episodes. I feel like there can be a hundred pulled from just this conversation. Mm-hmm. It was great hearing your journey. Thank you for sharing with such, you know, transparency, honesty, vulnerability, and excited to stay in touch and see what your business is up to next. And I hope we cross paths uh, in Calgary or elsewhere soon. Thank you so much. I, thank you, Ava. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for listening to the Brennis Female Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you to our editor, Isabel Morris, and our editorial manager, Mackie Domingo. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com to learn more. Yeah.